When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a special Tech Sideline podcast, March Madness edition. With Will Stewart and Chris Coleman, I'm Evan Hughes. It's the best time of the year, and let's get the podcast started right now. And with that, the best open you could possibly have for the month of March. Welcome in to this special Tech Sideline podcast, March Madness edition. So great to be with all of you as it is maybe one of the best weeks in all of sports. Again, with Will Stewart, Chris Coleman, I'm Evan Hughes, recording from TSL's high-tech studios in the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. Guys, how are we doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm well. Will Stewart? It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Seriously. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, it is, and it is a great week for college basketball as March Madness, the NCAA tournament, gets underway on Thursday. This podcast is going to be a shorter one, but all focus completely on Virginia Tech in their third consecutive NCAA appearance. We'll be breaking down their matchup against St. Louis, looking at the rest of the field. We'll be getting predictions, thoughts, everything you need to know about Virginia Tech in the tournament. You're going to get it right here on the Tech Sideline podcast, which, of course, is proudly presented by by the Fisher Law Firm, Virginia's trusted DUI and traffic defense firm, dedicated to defending individuals charged with traffic-related offenses. From their offices in Blacksburg and Roanoke, the Fisher Law Firm handles cases throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia. To date, the firm has defended more than 30,000 people charged with moving violations. For a free consultation, call anytime, day or evening, toll free at 1-800-680-7031. Again, that's 1-800-680-7031 or email them at info at fisherlegal.com. Quickly, because there's a lot of fun things to talk about. I do know we do want to briefly touch on the ACC tournament. took place last week in the state of North Carolina. Hokies fall in a heartbreaker in overtime to Florida State. Don't want to harp on it for too long, but Will, I'll let you get the first thought on it. So I enjoyed uh, going to see it in Charlotte. I like the Coliseum, Spectrum Center, I guess they call it. I thought attendance was pretty good. The games I was there for, I caught the NC State UVA game, so of course a lot of NC State fans there. The day before, I believe, was NC State and Clemson. So, you know, the ACC tournament gets a bad rap because they say, ah, the first few rounds are dead. Not really. I thought they were pretty exciting. And um, the other thing I wanted to add is that I hate losing to Florida State in basketball. I absolutely despise it. Um, My seats wound up – we did that thing of after NC State lost to UVA, we went down and and grabbed the people coming out of the NC State club area and said – even though these tickets were for the same session, I was already in the building, but I wanted to move down to the club area, so I wound up buying some club seats for the second game for about 10 bucks a piece. It was cheap. So I sat about 12 rows behind the Florida State bench, so I had a really good look at those last two shots, the one at the end of regulation and the one at the end of overtime. And live, I thought they looked like good shots, and then I went home and watched them on television, and ugh. They were really good shots. Dudes just chucking stuff over their head and throwing stuff up in the air. And 
that's just classic Florida State, you know. And, and I thought Virginia Tech played an excellent game. They didn't shoot well. They played an excellent game defensively. They had him right where they wanted him, and Carey misses a free throw with 10 seconds, you know, 18 seconds left to go, and Nikhil misses his shot, and of course Florida State took advantage of it. So a little stat for you, um, Virginia Tech went 4 of 18 from three-point range, I believe. 4 of 19, uh, missed their first 12, and then went 4 out of 7. 4 of 19, and then UVA went something like 5 of 23. So Tech and UVA went a combined 9 of 42 from three-point range against Florida State. Yeah, two teams that can really shoot. Yeah, I think Florida State's size getting gets in people's heads. They just don't look the same. I don't think Tech shooters look confident. I don't think UVA shooters look confident. And I don't know, you know, I'm sure Duke didn't well, shoot all that well from three-point range either, but they don't need I, I don't know. Florida State's had bigger teams. Um, that backup center they've got is like 6'9 or 6'10, and he plays a majority of their minutes. I mean – Cap- Cabin Gelly, I believe. Yeah, Kamanja only plays like 15 minutes. Yeah. And – you know, Kofers are power forward. He's six eight. They're not as big as they normally are. Um, I mean, Tech's faced bigger teams, honestly, this year. But but I mean, I, I just think I don't know. Florida State always beats Tech. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I tweeted after the game. Actually, Beatty actually liked my tweet. I said if Tech f- uh, shot a hundred percent from three point range, Florida State would find a way to shoot a hundred and one percent. Honestly, though, the ACC tournament. No team with seven players, unless they get a double bye, is going to have a chance to win the ACC tournament. I think we would have prolonged our – we could have prolonged our exit by a day. Yeah. But it would have been unlikely. Maybe to, even two. Maybe UVA wouldn't have played that well against Tech. Yeah, maybe. I, I don't know. But that extra day of rest, though, that they would have had. Yeah, and, but, and so I, I, somebody said Florida State's built for tournament basketball. They're right. They, they they're, are. They're playing – you know, 10 or 11 guys at one point, I'm pretty sure, is against Florida State. No, yeah, yeah. They, they took all five they, they guys can, off the floor at once and brought five Absolutely, guys they can bring in a whole new team. I mean, if you can do that. Well, you're, you're five I'd, seniors, yeah. One reason I know a lot of Tech fans really wanted that win over Florida State, except for the obvious reasons, as you guys said, about Florida State having Tech's number, it seems like, is the fact that it seemed like Virginia Tech was playing for a four seed if right. they had beaten yeah, the Seminoles, yeah. which ended Turned up not, not matter. Which they got anyway. Which so. they got anyway, and I actually feel bad for Florida State. I thought they did enough to be a three seed. Hmm. I mean, those guys, they made the ACC tournament finals. They beat Virginia Tech who's a four seed, obviously, twice in the last week of the season. They smacked UVA on national television. You'd think they'd move, all that would move them up, and it didn't. So, you know, I, I, thought, I thought that was kind of strange. I, I thought they were deserving of a three seed. I, I thought it was favorable seeding for Virginia Tech, and this segues into talking about the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, Lenardi's like, uh, I don't know if Canary in the coal mine is the correct usage in that case. But I, I remember years ago, one year when Tech was on the bubble, mm-hmm. Tech was listed as one of the last four in. Yeah. And then about an hour before the selection show started, Lenardi's like, oh, they're one of the first four out. Yeah, he had him as a 10 seed. And then all of a sudden in his last update, he didn't have him in there at all. Which means he got the phone call. Yeah. But then yesterday, pretty much right before the show started, he listed Tech as number 18, which would have put them as the second highest five seed. And he was wrong. They wound up on the four. There's not many times Joe Lenardi's wrong, well, he, by the way. He was right earlier in the day. He had him as a four earlier in the day. But then what made him drop them, I believe, to a five is, is Auburn winning the, 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 SEC, uh, the title. SEC title. Um, so he thought that would bump Tech back to a uh, to a five, but it did not. 
I saw. How about that? Virginia Tech getting favorable treatment on, on bracket. And Eric Fisher asked the question, and this is a good timing, do you think they announced J-Rob's return when they did to try to uh, boost the seating? And, yes, I do. Yeah. Um, um, interesting. I, 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 I think, think about that. I think you want – I mean, the committee can, if they choose to um, – Take into account. Take into account uh, when a team lost a key player and how long he lost him for and how they were playing before the injury and how they played post-injury. And, and you know, I, you look at him, he's the, he's the all-time leader in assists in Virginia Tech history. He, he, was, a, he was on the Koozie Award watch list, you know, top 20 point guards in the country. So, obviously, people viewed him as a really, well, really good player. He know, was just hitting his stride. 35 points against Syracuse. I think he had 19 and 20 minutes against Miami, the, the game he got hurt. I mean, he was just starting to hit his stride and go off when he got hurt. So, yeah, they, they look at how good of a player he is and say, oh, Virginia Tech went 7-5, and five, and they all five of their losses were really close, and they were all against Quadrant 1 opposition. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that would have been probably two or three, maybe four, best-case scenario maybe, uh, four more wins if he had played. So you, you, you're talking about, yeah, it would have cost Virginia Tech seeding. Um, would they have been a four seed? Would they have been a three seed? Who knows? It depends on, depends on a, lot, a lot of things. I mean, they, they probably would have gotten the double bye over instead of Florida State, in my opinion, mm-hmm. and maybe having that extra day. Maybe they beat Florida State, and maybe they do end up against UVA. Maybe UVA has that horrible shooting game against Virginia Tech instead of Florida State. Who knows? Who knows? Um, so I, I do think that Tech. It was strategically announced. Yes, it was strategically announced. I mean, I don't. I don't think they timed the the medical look at his his foot right. for Selection Sunday. But once he passed it, I thought, yeah, they they. You know, well, they, I think they did. Buzz said last week at the ACC tournament during an interview, he was, or was it? I don't remember what yeah, it was. He it was, was last week. He was like, we've been taking pictures of his foot, I think. And what they meant was x-rays, or maybe he said that on <laughs> Tech Talk pictures. Live. I don't remember. But anyway, he said, we're gonna, we're gonna, he'll have another evaluation on Sunday. And my, immediate, my mind went to, oh, that makes a lot of sense. If they get news out there that he's playing before the selection committee makes their final decisions. So I guess that puts it as late as possible, but in time. But in time. And, and you know the selection committee. Uh, I mean, there are still a few basketball games that are being played on that last day. So they've got two or three different brackets out there. What if this team wins that game? What if this team loses right. that game? And the Big Ten had a lot of implications. Right. Yeah. That was yeah. the last you're, game. You're, you're, absolutely, you're absolutely right. Or And the SEC title game did, or at least we thought it did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then you've also, every now and then, you've got a situation like Justin Robinson's. And, uh, you know, I bet the committee probably said, okay, you know what, under this scenario, Virginia Tech's a four seed. If it comes out that he's going to play in the NCAA tournament, then we're going to give them a four seed. But if there's no announcement, we can't assume that he's going to play. We're going to give him a five seed. Uh, so I, I do think it pushed Tech over the line. That's just my personal opinion. I could be wrong. Now, let's recap the day yesterday. And for those that maybe did not watch the selection show and are maybe getting all their news here, as you've heard, Justin Robinson back for the first time since January. He tweeted out a picture saying, I'm back. Yeah. And then Coach Williams tweeting a picture, he's back. And so that got a lot of uh, – generated a lot of enthusiasm uh, on social media. And then the selection show, Tech was one of the first – Four teams 
on the screen? I mean, that hasn't that happened that's, quick. That happened that's quick. Like two years in a row. I know it was two years in a row because uh, last year Villanova was the number one overall seed, and then we were in the eight nine game. So we were literally the second game announced last year, and it it might have been that way two years ago also. But, but, but wasn't last year the year where they listed all the teams in alphabetical order first? And then started doing the bracket. No, last year no, it would have been Villanova was on the right, top right corner of the bracket, so it would not. We would not have been. Uh, but the, but they were the. But they always do the number one overall seed first. And you, but UVA was the number one overall. Were seed they the last number one year. overall seed oh, last yes. year? Yeah. Oh, okay, yes. okay. Which, so they which, were which the makes top. The UMBC okay. story. All so, 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 so maybe it was two years ago when, when it happened. Yes, the Wisconsin so matchup yeah. was the boom boom. Yes, in the yeah. east in the eight okay. ninety. So okay, okay. Um, but at any rate, it was uh, you know the big celebration at Castle Coliseum. Some great pictures up on Tech sideline. We got some great pictures, and and there's a couple of cool pictures where you can tell they've just put Virginia Tech on the screen. And Buzz is coming out of his seat, and Robinson's coming out of his seat, and, and Beatty's coming out of his Buzz seat. Buzz is up way before everybody else. Yeah. It, it was almost like he, ex- he expected that. Yeah, it was kind of yeah. weird. I, I, you you I, can see that in that picture. He's out of his seat. And, yeah. I, you know, I kind of had a f- weird feeling. Like, a lot of people had head tech in San Jose yeah. y- y- uh, yesterday. So when I saw Mississippi State come up as the five seed, I'm like – Man, if we're going to be a four, this should be a really good. Right. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Well, I think you see, I was, I, I, I was a little surprised Mississippi State was as high as a five. So I think to your point, yes, I mean that made sense to see Tech as a four. Right. And I think when you look at the uh, look at the day as a whole, I mean, I'm, I'm going to ask you guys because the two storylines is Tech is a four seed playing St. Louis first. Justin Robinson's back. You went to bed last night. What were you more excited about as out of the two? Big storylines of the day. Being a four. Yeah. Yeah. Um, got so used to that 8-9 line. Ugh. You know. And then even when Tech was a five back in 2007, the matchups were horrible. Yeah. You know, they had to get matched up with uh, Southern, Illinois. Southern Illinois first. And Illinois wasn't any good, but they were a tough matchup for Tech. They were grinding out. Yeah. Which was, you know, not good for Tech back then. <laughs> and uh, so Tech did – make their way past Illinois, but then they had to play Southern Illinois, who was just a much, much better version of Illinois. Yeah. And they had already beaten Virginia Tech in the regular season. Yeah. So that was a tough matchup for, from that perspective. But, you know, three of the last four times Virginia Tech's been in the tournament, they've been in the 8-9 game. So they've really had no great chance to advance past the opening weekend of the NCAA tournament. I was excited about it because, you know, the number four seed wins, I believe, 79% of the time in the first round. All right, the 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 twelve seed upsets a five seed, correct? Fa- fairly regular basis, only about twenty percent of the time, which is uh, one out of every five. One out of every five, which means it it doesn't happen every year, right? On average, right? It happens once every two years, um, so it's just much less of a chance because that thirteen seed a lot of times is like a St. Louis. You know, St. Louis at this time last week was nineteen and twelve. All right, and no, they were the sixth seed in the A10 tournament. All right, not the ACC tournament. They were number six in the A10. A-10. Ten and eight in the A10. Nineteen and eight. No, no. What did I say? Nineteen and twelve overall. Just a completely mediocre basketball team. 
they they don't even shoot sixty percent from the free throw line. They have no skill. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah so we, one of the worst. They're yeah, the yeah. Last, right? I mean, this is not a skilled team. Now they're tough and tenacious defensively, and et cetera, et cetera. And Travis Ford is their head coach. And yes, I know they beat Virginia Tech last year. You know, I don't I don't know what to tell you. A broken clock is right twice it, a day. It, it, I mean, the Tech is not going to lose this game to them this year, in my opinion. I just I don't see it. But well, but beyond beyond that, I love the four seed. It's the highest ever. The first round matchup looks really good. Second round matchup will be Liberty or Mississippi, Mississippi State. State. Yes, we know everybody that anything can happen. But if you want to sit down and make a bracket up that looks favorable, that's it. Yeah. After all these years, guess what? That's it. I'm yeah. satisfied with the way yeah. the way it went down. Let's see how it plays. So out. I mean, th- this is the first time. Now, the last couple of years, I'll be—I mean, I was happy to make the NCAA tournament. Yeah. The last couple of years, after so many years of not making it, this year, once it became obvious we were in there, I, I, I became obsessed with seeding, right. and and not just necessarily seeding because you can get a good seed, but like like the Tech didn't do, but the matchup. And uh, this is the only time in my life where I felt good about getting out of the the first weekend. The only time of my entire life. <laughs> yeah, the sweet. I am thirty-six years old. Yeah. So one thing I want to do because I, I think I think you're right. People are going to say, "Oh, it's March. Anything can happen." That's a hundred. I mean, anything can happen. And St. Louis is a 16, won the A10. Absolutely, anything can happen. I want to I want to play a little game here, and I'm going to substitute Virginia Tech in the other three parts ah. of the bracket as a four, and I'm going to tell you what it could have been. So okay. where it is right now, again to repeat. Virginia Tech is a four. They're playing a 13 seed St. Louis, who was the sixth seed in the A10 and was in nowhere near the NCAA and, tournament picture. And by the picture. way, if if you win your tournament, your conference tournament, and you're a 13 seed, you're one of the worst right. automatic qualifiers on the. Well, keep yeah. in mind too, the A10 is actually a pretty decent conference, and they were saying VCU could have been as high as a six had they won it. The Rams yeah, I mean, are now I'm, the I'm eight. Not, I'm not knocking the, the, the yes, coach. but generally the number six seed in the A10 tournament does not make the Correct. NCAA tournament. So, so Tech is the four. St. Louis is the thirteen. The five twelve matchup is Mississippi State. Liberty is the twelve. Let's go to the South. If Virginia Tech was the four. In that region, they would be opening up against UC Irvine, and if they win, they would get the winner of Wisconsin and Oregon. Yes, okay. yes. Yeah, Th- this is horrible. This idea. No, so. <laughs> no, no, now see that, or I see the Pac-12 stinks, but all at the same time, you know, Oregon they want to just they just won the Pac-12 tournament. They're heating they, up. They hammered Washington. So who, UC Irvine won thirty games, right? right? And and Wisconsin, while I think a good team, I don't think they're the Wisconsin that Virginia Tech played two years ago. So that, that that's one of those things where, yeah, maybe you do see a twelve seed in the second round, but a power five twelve seed, you know. Right. Yeah. So we go to the Midwest. If Virginia Tech was the four in Midwest, they would be opening up against thirteenth seed Northeastern, who they've already Indeed. smashed. Yeah. yeah. Then if they win, they'd get the winner of Auburn and New Mexico State. I have no opinion on New Mexico State, but uh, the Auburn thing. Right. Yeah. Then if they were in the West, they would take the place of Florida State here. So they would open up against Vermont, and Vermont is one and, of those. And where's that game at? Hartford? It does not say on here. It's in Hartford, I'm pretty sure. And so Florida State's reward for a four seed and making their huge run is to go all the way play is to play all the way in Connecticut, where it's going to be filled with Vermont fans. And then if they win this, this again, keep in mind if Virginia Tech was in that spot, they would play the winner of Marcus Howard and Marquette or Ja Morant 
and Murray State. No, 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 no. Right. So, again, it took me a couple minutes to get here, but just laying out the scenarios, personally, going off what you're saying, I think that this could not have worked out any better for Virginia Tech. I think for getting past the first weekend, it couldn't have gotten any better for Virginia Tech from that standpoint. I, I think as you go around and look at the brackets and, and you go through the exercise you just went through, look at the fives, which five got the best bracket, which six got the best bracket, which three. It's, it's really nice if you go through that exercise and your team had the most favorable yeah, matchup. Yeah, you're right. And so I think Tech has a very favorable matchup as far as getting out of the first weekend. I think they have the worst matchup as far as if you want to make it past the Sweet 16. Because Duke is waiting. Because right? Duke, but yeah, because as the last four seed, we will get the number one overall seed. So let's Which run, is Duke. I'm going to run through the, the East region real quick and just a couple of highlights, and then we're going to dive into a little bit more St. Louis. We'll focus on Mississippi State and Liberty quickly, and then we'll get ready to wrap it up and call it a podcast. So Duke is the number one. Interesting 8-9 matchup of VCU at 8, and then a 9 seed in UCF. UCF's got that guy Taco Fall who's foot six. So I'm intrigued to watch that against uh, see him match up against Zion Williamson if that happens. So, so the parents like realize that their kids gonna are gonna grow up to be athletes or seven foot six. I'm gonna name my kid Taco Fall. <laughs> so and then just a couple of other inter- interesting things. You've got Maryland as a six, LSU as a three, and then Michigan State, a team that many feel are underseeded and maybe were deserving of a one, is a two. So that's what the bracket as a overview looks like. But let's dive into the St. Louis matchup. We've both talked about it. Everybody, they succeed in the A-10 tournament, a team that was trailing in the quarterfinals against the Richmond Spiders, who struggled mightily this Awful year. Yeah. Uh, won by, I believe, three. I believe the final score was 71-68 in that one. Then they go to the semis. They end up knocking off VCU. Big win. Correct? That was... Hold on. Nope, uh, I have I that wrong. I don't think they knocked my off apologies. VCU. You're right. I've got a I've got it in my uh, article from last night on the TSL homepage. Which you can go to TechSideline.com. You should. And then they get to the they get to the title game and they play St. Bonaventure. Which was all St. Bonaventure was the four seed. So they got to the title game and got to play the four seed. Uh, and you know the four seed in the A10, you know, you know you're just not going to see four NCAA quality teams coming out of the A10. So they got to play a team that in, the, right. in their conference title game that. You know, St. Bonaventure's okay, but they're, they're outside the top 100 of the net and Ken Palm and, and all that. So it's not – now, at the same time, they crushed the number two seed, right? They, they, they whipped so, Davidson. So their, their path, again, so their first-round matchup, number 11 in Richmond, 71-68. They trailed the majority of the second half yeah. and then came back and won that one. Number three seed, Dayton, 64-55. to Semifinals, number two, Davidson. Not a bad team, by the way. This yeah. is probably their best one of the tournament. 67-44. to 44. No They doubt. actually blew out the Wildcats. Yeah. But then number four, St. Bonaventure, 55-53. They struggled big time from behind the arc, and they were down big in the first half and then climbed their way mm. uh, back in the second half. So a team that knows how to win with their backs against the wall. Well, sure. yeah, they know At how to. that way. They, they, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go, now go back. Well, you don't have it pulled up right now, but they, there was a stretch – and their schedule earlier this year where they lost four A-10 games in a row and five out of six. And, uh, and you know, you're, so you're sitting there like, okay, what's the real team? The one that went 10-8 and eight over 18 games in the A-10 or the one that went 4-0 and oh in four games? It come, uh, so so uh, one thing to keep in mind, in uh, late December they lost to Florida State 81-59. to 
Uh, lost a pit. They lost a pit by two. They did beat Butler. That's a decent win, even though they're not in the tournament this year. Um, and then again, they. I mean, they they've lost to Richmond this year. They've lost to Davidson, Rhode Island, St. Joe's by thirty this year. Uh, I mean, St. Joe's is not good this year either. Right. I mean, so th- this is a team that clearly just hit their stride for a week and 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 found a way to get into the tournament. Yeah. So so when they beat Virginia Tech, uh, not early this year, but early last year, um, the 2017-2018 season. Uh, first of all, I like that the vast majority of guys on Tech's current team played in that game, and they remember mm-hmm. losing to St. Louis. I remember St. Louis just going inside, just going inside over and over and over, and just physically dominating Tech. Yeah. Um, I don't know how many of their guys carry over, and, and, and Chris, you've done the research. What I don't they, know either. About, about <laughs> what do they shoot from three-point range? And they're in the, they rank in the 320s out of 353 right. Division One teams. They're an awful shooting team. So it's like playing Duke. Duke doesn't shoot well from the outside. Yeah, they they're all... didn't shoot well from the outside against Virginia Tech. Right. So I've got some numbers here up from your article. They right. shoot. They are the 327th best three-point shooting team mm-hmm. in the country. Their two-point field goal percentage is number 285 Correct. in the country. Their free throw percentage is 352nd. In the country. Out of 353 teams, by the way. Their turnover rate is 214th, and their offensive rebound rate is number 13. So That's maybe the best they, thing they do. Right, right. They're a really good offensive rebounding team, which is kind of what you remember about them last year. They're just being tough and rugged, and they play really good defense. Now, that being said, if Virginia Tech scores 71 points against them this time, like they did last year, they're going to hammer them because Virginia Tech actually plays defense this year, and St. Louis can't score. And Virginia Tech was not a good defensive team. That's what I mean. At that point in time. Well, that's that's what that's exactly what I mean. It's it's nowhere close. I mean, they hammered Tech by getting the ball inside, and nobody can get the ball inside on Tech anymore. Florida State couldn't get the ball inside at Virginia Tech. I mean, Virginia Tech beat Florida State like twenty-four to eight in the paint oh, they or, or way something like that. Them in the paint. Yeah, so they're they're going to prevent St. Louis from getting the ball in the paint. If 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 they're like if they play like they've played all season, I mean there there hasn't been a game this year where I where I left the game saying man Tech didn't play good defense as far as you know they, they let the ball touch the paint too much. Right. Uh, I think they've been really consistent with their defense this year, and if and if if they continue that, they're they're going to force St. Louis into a bunch of three pointers, and they're a horrible three point shooting team. Horrible. Correct. This is a great matchup for Virginia Tech. All right, so real quick, and I'll end it on this before we, we move on. St. Louis, number 103 nationally in the net rankings. That's important because that's what the committee now uses um, instead of the RPI. They NC, are, NC State will tell you they don't use it. <laughs> but that's a whole other conversation. And then they are led by their six foot six senior guard, Javone Best, who's actually a transfer mm-hmm. from Michigan State. So, anyways, that's what you need to know about St. Louis. If you can't tell by the way they have been previewing this, I'll make this very simple. Give me a prediction, and what do you think the score range could be? Oh, I, I think it'll be kind of a slow tempo game um, with Virginia Tech kind of getting Robinson back in the groove, and just the fact that's how St. Louis wants to play anyway. But I do think Tech will win in the ten to fifteen point range. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, what do you uh, think? I agree with that, and this goes back to something we talked about. We probably talked about this two or three weeks ago. The fact that Justin Robinson went out and Virginia Tech changed the way they play to become more of a half-court team, I think that's to their advantage now that the NCAA tournament has started because a lot of games wind up being slugfests in the NCAA tournament. And that's one thing I wanted to mention about this game. Again, as we're saying, all these teams have played well at some point, even for St. Louis, in a five-day stretch to get to this point. 
and you don't want to overlook a matchup. However, mm-hmm. talking about Justin Robinson coming back, missing over a month, one thing that Buzz Williams, I believe, told Mike Barber yesterday, he is saying that he feels like J. Rob is a little out of shape, but he's got enough days, about a five-day window to you know to get back. Do you think that this is the ideal situation to try and work out a couple offenses? I do. I mean, do you think J-Rob comes off the bench in this game, or do you think he starts, he's back in the starting five? Uh, I think he'll be in the starting five, and it won't be one of those games where he's running up and down the court in a 75 or 80 possession game either. And and it's not unlike the conference tournament, there will be a day off in between. I like that it's a Friday-Sunday instead of a thursday Saturday. So it's, an it's, an, it's, an extra, right. it's an extra day. And, you know, if Virginia Tech gets past this first weekend, which I think is a pretty good chance they do, then he'll have an extra week, per se. And he should be even better for that second group of, uh, of games, which unfortunately will probably be against Duke. <laughs> <laughs> so I think um, he won't have his wind. Um, you know, he won't be able to play 35 to 38 minutes. Um, the other thing that's going to go on is going to go on in his head. Does he trust his foot? Um, can he? You know, he he has a he has a, a well earned reputation for driving hard to the basket. Is he still going to be able to mentally do that? Probably not right out of the gate. How many games is it going to take? Is it going to happen fairly quickly? So, Buzz has a window here from Sunday to Friday to figure out how does he want to work J. Rob. What does he want to emphasize with him? Um, how does and, and the great thing about Buzz is he's very good at the psychological part of things. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So you know it's going to be really interesting. I, I hope that somebody asks Buzz. I don't think we're going to be in San Jose, but I hope somebody asks Buzz, "What have you done with Justin Robinson this week to get him ready to play mentally and physically?" And Buzz loves answering the mental questions. Those are his favorite. <laughs> so, what is something real quick, CC? Because and then we'll take a break and we'll look at Mississippi State Liberty. Um, what does a, a, a practice schedule or just the the week look like for Virginia Tech leading yeah. up to their Friday night game in San Jose uh, I guess, St. Louis? I guess every team does it differently. Uh, I'm sure Tech will probably fly out. Oh, gosh, I guess they'll fly out on Wednesday. So they'll practice here Monday, Tuesday, maybe have an early practice on Wednesday and then fly out and then probably go in and get a shoot-around. And I know they'll have an open shoot-around or whatever on Thursday that fans can attend. Um uh, you know, I think it'll be. I think at this point in the season, you know, you know what you're gonna do. Um, you uh, so you do a lot of work on St. Louis, um, and and you've got a day in between to to prepare for either Mississippi State or Liberty, and this is an experienced Virginia Tech team. Sure. Um, so I, you know, I I think you manage them mentally at this point, and you manage their legs because even with J. Rob back, it's not a deep bench. You know, there's not too much else you can teach this team. They already know how to play. So just manage their manage their legs and, and manage their emotions, and I think you'll be good to go. Last question before break. Will any cause of concern in your mind at all about playing on the West Coast in California and the times different, any, any, any cause for concern at all about that? So 10 o'clock at night Eastern out there, right? Um, no, I don't. I don't have. I don't have. It'd be seven o'clock out there, ten yeah. o'clock here, because it's the same for everybody else. I mean, Mississippi it, State it will, will have one hour. St. Louis, I guess, will have one hour. And Liberty's got the same. Liberty's got the yeah. same as us. So, yeah, it's. No, I think it's. I don't like the pod system, where you know, where the east east, east region, are. you could end up playing in San Jose. I think that's a little bit silly. Yeah, yeah. Somebody, uh, somebody made a joke on Twitter, and I agree with it. That if 
Virginia Tech and Liberty win, they should fly back and play the second-round game in the Berglund Center in Roanoke. <laughs> in Roanoke. Well, all right, we're going to step aside for a break. Of course, you're listening to the Tech Sideline Podcast Special Edition, focusing on the NCAA Tournament. It is the greatest time of the year. It is March Madness. We'll step aside for a break, and when we come back, we'll take a look at Mississippi State and Liberty, two of the opponents that Virginia Tech could face in the round of 32 in the NCAA Tournament. This is the Tech Sideline Podcast, proudly presented by the Fisher Law Firm. If you have received a DUI or other traffic-related offense, the road ahead can seem uncertain. Here at Fisher Law Firm, we have a team that is with you every step of the way. We have the experience that comes along with having defended more than 30,000 criminal and traffic cases statewide and the expertise to get the job done. Call anytime, day or evening, for your free consultation or a complimentary copy of my book. Don't forget to ask us about our free appeal guarantee. To learn how we can help solve your problem, check us out at FisherLegal.com. This is Jonathan Fisher, Class of 98. Let's go Hokies. Welcome back to the Tech Sideline Podcast. Our thanks to Jonathan Fisher and his incredible team at the Fisher Law Firm for being proud partners of the Tech Sideline Podcast. Will Stewart, Chris Coleman, Evan Hughes back on our special edition. It is the most wonderful time of the year, March Madness, and we continue to take a look at that East region of the NCAA tournament where Virginia Tech is the four seed. You heard Will and Chris say it. They think that Virginia Tech gets by with relative ease against St. Louis. Anywhere in that 10 to 15 range is what CC said. We're going to play the theoretical. We're going to go ahead and put Virginia Tech into the round of 32 where they will await the 5-12 matchup. Mississippi State in Liberty. And the Bulldogs, a team that is led by Ben Howland. Of course, he had great success at UCLA. Mm. A new challenge for him with the Bulldogs. They're dancing for the first time in 10 years. Last time they did it was 2000. And nine. So I kind of look at the storylines almost away from everything on the court. Let's just play the theoretical real quick that it's that it is Mississippi State. Both programs to me almost kind of feel like they're in similar states in that they are having recent success yeah. with new and and talented coaches leading them to uncharted territory. Yeah, you know, obviously Virginia Tech, a football centric fan base, all SEC fan bases, with the exception of Kentucky, being football-centric fan bases. Uh, Mississippi State being, you know, the big state school in that state, where Ole Miss is more of the UVA type of that state. I, I think both schools are very similar. So from that standpoint, you know, I think it would be a pretty pretty interesting matchup between, you know, two similar fan bases. I'm, I'm sure whatever fans from Mississippi State and Virginia Tech will be out in San Jose would get along very well. And then the other standpoint of it, you know, Liberty – obviously a regional matchup for Virginia Tech, which and I'm sure that's, that's no coincidence. And you look at this Mississippi State team, and you look at what they were able to do in the conference slate. And, of course, it's a little bit different, even though they're similar. Of course, with Justin Robinson being out, it's kind of tough to compare it from the standpoint. But in a lot of ways, Mississippi State in SEC play beat the teams they were supposed to beat and then struggled against some of the bigger competition. Mm -hmm. Kind of similar to Tech, with the lone exception being they did pick up a big win um, against Auburn. That was their best win in SEC play. So just to give you an idea of who they were beating, they lost to Kentucky by 21. Mm -hmm. Their big win in the SEC, 92-84 over Auburn. That was January 26. Lost to Alabama, beat Ole Miss, not in the tournament, uh, LSU, they lost to in double overtime, lost to Kentucky by four, beat Alabama, beat Arkansas, beat Georgia, beat South Carolina, lost to Auburn, lost to Tennessee. Um, so, again, kind of that yeah. common theme yeah. that they're Very beating similar. the teams that they should. Their big win was against Auburn. Uh, and then in the SEC tournament, they blow out Texas A&M on uh, the first day. Then they lose to Tennessee 83-76. to So... 
Again, not even having to dive necessarily into the X's and O's of this game. Similar teams, dancing, looking for success, football-centered schools, mm-hmm. even though I'll, I'll touch on that in a minute, as Virginia Tech has a really interesting stat about football and basketball and their bowl yeah. streak. We'll get to that in a minute. But to me, this just has a lot of similarity if it's that matchup in round of 32. A lot of maroon in the stands. <laughs> no question. <laughs> and then if it is Virginia Tech and Liberty, two teams squared off back in November in an exhibition, the Flames are a 12 seed. They won the A-Sun in their first year in the conference They're in there. the Atlantic Sun now. How did I totally Oh, that? yeah. See, yeah, I forgot I, I about was, that. I was thinking about that because uh, last year, Radford University beat Liberty at home to advance to the NCAA tournament. Right. And then Liberty's winning somebody else's conference tournament, and I missed it too. They yeah. changed conference. Yeah, well, uh, are they going to be in the Atlantic? Yeah, Atlantic Sun. Atlantic A-Sun. 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 So they went 28-6 and six this year, 14-2 and two in the A-Sun. They were 16-1 and one at home, 11-3 and three on the road. And then Virginia Tech Liberty played November 4th for the Hurricane Relief Exhibition game in Lynchburg. Hokies won that 86-70. to 70. Of course, mm-hmm. exhibition games worth, are exhibition yeah. games, yeah. but just to give you an idea. So there's familiarity for, for Virginia yeah. Tech if they play the Flames. Yeah, there's familiarity, and quite frankly, there's more talent for, for Virginia Tech. Isaiah Wilkins had a big game, I believe. That's when people really started – you started hearing about him, and I think he had 14 or 16 in that game, and then he scored 21 a week later in the, in the season opener. Um, I, I think – uh, that's an interesting matchup. Uh, I think I haven't really had a chance to look and see what all the prognosticators are saying, but that is a possibility of one of those 12-5 upsets because Mississippi State, from what I can tell, just doesn't play a whole lot of defense. Hmm. I think if you look at some of their scores and and look at their Ken Palm metrics, uh, and I like I said, I haven't done my complete research on them, I've, but they just don't. I believe they've struggled defensively this year um, from what it looks like from the outside looking in. Um, so, I mean, I just keep going back to where I, if you ask me what I go back and redo yesterday in hopes of getting better draws or anything, no chance because this is the no. best Virginia Tech could have yeah. gotten. So, there you have all it. Right, so sneeze. That's all right. I was about to save you there. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so again, that's the 5-12 matchup if Tech wins. That's going to be on Sunday. Um, Do we know what time? Probably seven o'clock, nine o'clock. I've got the bracket in front of me. Late. It does not say. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't it's amazing how many brackets out there don't say where the games are and when. Well, the I don't think are. the Sunday matchups are are set until after the first. Yes. First days or the, the times are not set until after because huh. they don't know who's going to play. So they're, they're going to put the most interesting games on. Uh, the, true. true right, which I actually don't like. Now let, let me get this complaint in really quick. <laughs> All right, Virginia Tech is the higher seeded team. They should have the advantage of two extra hours of rest, not Mississippi State. Mississippi State gets the 8 o'clock game. Mississippi State Liberty gets the 8 o'clock game. Virginia Tech gets a 10 o'clock game. So Virginia Tech, will, you know, if they get past St. Louis, they'll be playing a lower-seeded team again in the second round. But that lower-seeded team will have an extra two hours. Yep. Um, Didn't think but, about that. But, but that's but for TV. Not, it is a full day's rest in between. It's not it is. like it's an ACC tournament. Situation. Correct. Correct. I still don't like it. <laughs> Let's do this uh, quickly. Just – you know, playing the theoretical game, if Tech's able to get out of the opening weekend, they get to the Sweet 16. Let's just let's just say it. They're they're 99 likely going to play Duke, <laughs> the number one overall seed. Hokies beat them in Blacksburg. There was no J. Rob. There was no Zion Williamson. Uh, but I think the one point I want to hit on, if we could do this in about two or three minutes, sure. The fact that this would be in Washington D.C. Oh, yeah, great. Is there a chance that that could be? 
almost – I mean, it could be a home game for Duke, but it very well – I mean, if Tech gets to the Sweet 16, how packed of Hokies do you think it could be in D.C.? There will be a lot of Virginia Tech fans there, but Duke fans also drive up the prices. That, that's going to be a very expensive ticket, and by very expensive, I mean two, 300 bucks. Right, and I don't know if Virginia Tech fans – I don't know how many – I don't know. I think there will be a vocal group, but I don't know if it will be – I don't know how many. If I don't know if they'll be willing to compete for the prices with Duke fans, because Duke fans will pay whatever they don't care. Yeah. Um, so Duke fans are going to drive the prices up. But at any rate, you know there will be a lot of Virginia Tech fans there, and it won't. I don't think it'll be the majority, even though they they do kind of have. I don't have think a, Tech is going to outnumber Duke in terms of fans. Yeah, uh, I just don't see that happening at all anywhere. I don't. I don't. I don't care where outside of Castle Coliseum. Right. I, that wouldn't happen. Um, that being said, I'm happy that the game is in D.C. We will there will be certainly a lot more Virginia Tech fans there than it would be in any of the other regions. San Jose, California. San Jose, <laughs> California being one of them, right. Well, it's interesting, you know, sitting there in, in, in Pittsburgh last year when Tech played in the NCAA tournament in Pittsburgh and seeing how the tickets are allocated. There's just – each school only gets the section behind their bench. Right. And that's it. And that's, what, a 1,000 seats maybe? A right. few hundred? And then you got to buy a – um, all right, so that would be the Sweet 16. We'll have more time to talk about that and recap everything on next week's podcast. It's been about three to four minutes here, closing out the podcast here on TechSideline.com, uh, about you know a couple of rumors that have been going around in the last week or so, and that has been Buzz Williams' names connected uh, to the Texas A&M um, potential opening uh, there in College Station your thoughts on the rumors and uh, j- just about Buzz Williams' names being linked there? Well, they go back to last year. And every single source I've talked to in the past year says, yeah, he's interested. And, yeah, he's very interested in going back to Texas. I mean, he grew up two to three hours from Texas A&M. He coached there as an assistant for three years. Um, so it's always been a concern. It, they have uh, tremendous resources, not, not, right. as you know. They're arguably the richest school in the country, them in Texas. Uh and, you know, I heard after his first year at Virginia Tech, when the Texas job came open, he was very interested in the Texas job then. So the state of Texas is, is very intriguing to him. That's where he's from. Similar to how if you're a Virginian and you lived in Texas, the state of Virginia, let's say you coached at Texas Tech and you're from Richmond and the and Virginia the Tech UVA or UVA job, job came open. open. Yeah. You know, uh, it's just it's one of those things. Uh so, so for fans that don't know the history, fill in that a couple of Buzz's assistants wound up. Yeah, they did, and Chu has since uh, resigned. So uh, Jeff Reynolds? Jeff Reynolds is still there. Jeff Was Jeff the DBO here? He was. So he's the DBO, Director of Basketball Operations, and he went to Texas A&M this year as an assistant. As an coach. assistant. And a couple of people said, oh, that's an interesting hire by Texas A&M. But, no, Jeff, Jeff Reynolds, even though he, he was, quote, just a DBO, unquote, here at Tech, he does have some X's and O's chops to him. Absolutely. That's why they hired him. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so that was a good hire. And, and Isaac Chu also went there. Chu is no longer there. But that's a couple of that's – and that's some of the conversation that was going on at the end of last year was some of Buzz's assistants leaving. Steve Rockefort later left also. Yeah. Um, so there, there's been some traffic of assistants – under Buzz going to Texas A&M. Yeah, and he hasn't adequately replaced them, in my opinion. Uh, you know, he just promoted Devin Johnson from basically administration player development role to assistant coach. He has no recruiting experience. 
Uh, right now, there's just not a lot of recruiting slash evaluating experience on Virginia Tech's coaching staff, and that's why we saw the 2019 class. Well, quite frankly, there were three committed players to the Tech's 2019 class that eventually went to play, will go play in the Big South, right? Because our evaluations were so bad. Yeah. And, so uh, Buzz had to scramble. So we had to scramble, and I think we scrambled and signed a decent class under the circumstances. Um, but. I don't think we're back to recruiting like we were early in his tenure. Like, as soon as he got here, he brought in uh, Seth Allen, Zach Ledeus transfers. He brought Ahmed Hill, a top 50 player with him, who would sign with him at Marquette. And then the next year, he signed his top three targets, Justin Robinson, Chris Clark, Kerry Blackshear. The next year, he goes out and gets Ty Outlaw, the best Juco shooter in the country. And since then, you know, he signed one good player per class. Alexander Walker, obviously, and then Nolly. And, you know, you see what's happened with Nolly. And I, I like Isaiah Wilkins, but Buzz was getting his tight, his tar- A-list a targets early in his tenure. And in this past year's class, in some cases, they were more like C-list targets. Like, And I don't, I don't mean that as disrespectful. What I'm saying is they didn't get Virginia Tech offers until late because they missed out on so many of the guys that they offered early. You know, that those are just facts. Um, so recruiting isn't going as well now, and I, I don't know where I was going with that. But uh, well, if, 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 I, well, here's where I was going with it. At the end of his tenure at Marquette, after made the NCAA tournament his first five years, his sixth year there, their talent bottomed out because he hadn't recruited well at the end of his tenure. And they didn't even and make they didn't the even NIT. make the NIT. They went seventeen and fifteen or something like that. Lost their last three games of the season at Virginia Tech. This will be their third straight year in the NCAA tournament. He's going into the sixth year, and it looks like the talent is a level is about to drop, just like it dropped in his sixth year at Marquette, because quite frankly, he's not recruited as well later in his tenure at Virginia Tech as he did early in his tenure. So it's kind of the same story. So I don't even know that. If he's that type of coach where he's really focused in recruiting his first few years at a job and then he gets bored maybe and doesn't quite make the right assistant coaching decisions and the recruiting drops off, do you sign – I mean, he's done a great job, don't get me wrong. But what if we don't have the talent in the next two or three years to make the NCAA tournament no matter who our coach is? So do you give him a raise to three and a half or four million dollars to coach an NIT team? When he struggled to recruit, I don't, I don't, so I don't know. I don't know if it's in Virginia Tech's best interest to really to, up to, the to really up the ante here. To exactly. Texas A and M level, right? Like I think he had, you know, I, I think Marquette, you know, they they struggled his last year, and they didn't have a lot of talent early in Wojo's tenure, and now he's dug them out of that. Um, so I don't know. I think he's done a really good job, but I also have questioned over the last year or so uh, the you know the fact that you know he's his name gets thrown out there whether he does it or somebody else for for jobs every year whether it's texas or texas a&m or oklahoma state or or ohio state last year or whoever you know that that does hurt recruiting after a while and and and, and it damages the fan bases especially a fan base like virginia tech that's used to loyalty from their head coaches it's it's very difficult for a fan base to get all in when they think they only have a guy for a little while. right when they think he's got one foot out the door so sometimes it's better to go ahead and make that break um so part of me yes does want buzz back because i think he's the best coach in virginia tech history 
no question. No argument here. He's an excellent He's an elite coach. coach. He's, a, he's a good cultural fit. Um, I, I, he understands people. He, he understands how to put a team together with guys that have good chemistry and really like each other. I love the guy. He gets them to play consistently, gets them to, gets them to which play is hard. a gift. That uh, yeah. is a gift at the college level, football or basketball. Uh, absolutely. To get a team to play hard. It, it really is. But I also see enough signs where it might be time for both parties. You know, he might need a fresh start. He might be one of the not, – not every coach is like Frank Beamer that's going to be successful in one place for 30 years. I mean, so many coaches move on from school to school after every five to six years, just like normal people do in normal jobs. Some, <laughs> honestly, I mean, they feel like they need a fresh start. They've done all. They feel like they've done all they can do, and maybe they get bored. I, I don't know. So, uh, I'm not going to be upset about it either way, no matter what happens. I, I like that the Virginia Tech fan base is engaged again. One of the things I remember about the end of the Seth Greenberg tenure was when Seth got fired. Our boards blew up. People really cared. They had, they had been watching good basketball for about six years. Mm. They hadn't been in NCAA tournaments. But, yeah. but from the very beginning in, in 04-05, Tech finished fourth in the ACC. Then they had a down year. And then they were, they were up there playing good basketball for years. And people got engaged. And I remember when Seth got fired, man, that created a lot of activity and energy. And then two years later, that was just gone. Yeah. You know, and and looking at our message boards just the last, uh, I texted Chris late last night, looking at our message boards just recently. I went over to the TSL football board last night. It was full of a bunch of basketball posts because people accidentally went over there. There's just not a lot of activity on our football board right now, but there's a lot of activity around basketball. People are very excited about the program. So if Buzz does wind up going to Texas A&M, Witt's got a, you know, and I trust Witt to make a good hire. Um, I'm not saying it has to be a splash hire like Buzz was. I think, you know, and, and, and again, we need to cut this podcast off. We could talk about this for an hour. I have a lot of thoughts on this. But, uh, and, and, and the things Witt's probably learned in the last few years. But the program's in, in, a, in a good place right now to make a good hire. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just um, appreciate what Buzz does if, if he goes. And I'm not worried about it. And I would counsel everybody to really enjoy what's happening in the NCAA tournament and try not to think too much about what's next. I agree with all that. And, you know, we, we've heard that Texas A&M has offered anywhere from $5.2 million to six point five. We've heard crazy numbers. And, and, and Tech and pays Buzz about, about two and a half million. Oh, uh, it's about three. Three. It's okay. about three now. Uh, still. It, there's no way Tech can – Virginia Tech can match that. And they, 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 sh- they, make, they shouldn't, actually. Th- right, right. They make – about le- they make less than half, or maybe about half, as Texas A&M does every year in revenue, yeah. and so it's not just Buzz's money. As I, I bet Texas A&M pool for Buzz's assistance is probably up by five hundred thousand to seven hundred fifty thousand as well. Yeah. So you're just talking about how it, it you just can't match those numbers, and there, there's nothing you can do about it. Um, so don't don't spend a lot of time worrying about it. Um, just it is what it is. Enjoy this team. Here's what I'm hopeful, whether, whether Buzz is Virginia Tech's coach next year or not, I, what I really hope is he's changed the expectations of the fan base. Um, I, I'm not necessarily saying this is a, is a criticism, although maybe I am. I, all right, the NIT, 
I don't, I don't I can't really phrase this delicately. <laughs> so I'm not they're they're they're, they're hey, year, y'all, get over it. <laughs> all right, yeah, I know Virginia Tech won the NIT in nineteen ninety five and nineteen seventy three and that was really special. But these days the NIT doesn't matter. Nobody watches the NIT. Uh, Seth Greenberg made one NCAA tournament in nine years at Virginia Tech and our fans were mad when he got fired. At any other Power Five conference school, that's completely unacceptable. All right, so I, I, and now that we've made three NCAA tournaments in a row, I hope our fans have forgotten about the NIT, that it even exists. There are certain years where the NIT is good. The NIT would be good next year yeah, for a young sure. team. Uh, but you should never like sit around and celebrate making the NIT because as time and time goes on, it, it's kind of like, oh, you know, the Independence Bowl was big when we first made it, right? There weren't as many bowl games yeah, back then, like and Tech 19, hadn't made nineteen bowl games back. Right, then. And, and Tech hadn't made a uh, hadn't made a bowl game since '86. But you know, now that the tournament has expanded, you know, to sixty-eight or whatever it is now, and the fact that so much TV coverage is given to given to the NCAA tournament, it's just it's you even see some teams decline in IT bids th- yeah, these days. You do. It's just, it just doesn't matter. So so I hope I hope that. Buzz and three straight NCAA tournament appearances has upped the expectations of the fan base where they no longer consider the NIT a success. All right, so I'll close with this question before we wrap up. I know we're over. Do you think that you're talking about the excitement of the, that Coach Greenberg had when he was here and the fans. Do you think there is a different kind of excitement with the fan base now than there was with Coach Greenberg here? Uh, I'd say yes. It's a different kind of excitement. It's a different kind of excitement. Uh, You know, Buzz is not the – I mean, Seth would always grab that microphone and talk to the crowd and write letters to the Collegiate Times. But, you know, Buzz isn't like that. Um, Seth Seth did a little more personal marketing to the fan base. Um, Buzz has his brand, but, you know, if you watch his videos, it's got his own personal brand – emblem on there his brand is portable right it's portable right there's not a single virginia tech uh watermark on any of his videos or anything like that it's a buzz williams watermark it's his own personal brand that he's built and his buzz's bunch and his team coach buzz it's not team coach buzz at virginia tech it's not buzz's bunch at virginia tech you know all this stuff like will said is portable i mean he had all this stuff at marquette and then he just moved it to virginia tech and he always says we when he does interviews after games he doesn't mean we virginia tech he means we as Me a coaching and staff and, and right now um, let's be clear this is not a criticism it's not it's an observation that uh you you can you can respect and admire the job that Buzz has done coaching. I think it's phenomenal. It's amazing. Every time Virginia Tech calls timeout to set up a play, I elbow the guy next to me. I'm like, watch this. This yeah. guy can <laughs> do this. And and it's a joy to watch his teams play. But there there is a there is a connection there that was never quite established and is missing. Um, you know? And that is – so moving forward, that is an opportunity for the next coach to excel in an area where Buzz, as much as we love him and, and like to watch the show, never really excelled. Um, man, I'm talking about him in the past tense. I should not do that. <laughs> <laughs> Real quick, any questions you want to get to before we sign off? Anything uh, 
Oh, thanks to everybody see. watching on Facebook, listening on our. I, I was asked how much. Oh, uh, we 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 covered everything in here. Yeah, I was asked how much Justin Robinson is going to play, and I, you man, covered I that. Know. What do you what do you think about Duke VT meeting in Sweet Sixteen? I think it's cool. I also think Zion Williamson's the best player in the country. Uh, as good as Justin Robinson is. He's not the best player in the country. I, so. I, I despise the hype over Zion, but I actually watched him, really watched Duke and watched him watched twice. Watched Syracuse. Week. He went 13 of 13. I can't My count God. the number of times I just went, holy cow. And he's a real humble guy, too. Like, I know uh, the, the guy plays he, hard. He plays hard. I enjoy watching him play. And I, he's an, he's not like a Grayson Allen-like Duke player where you don't <laughs> like him. Like I actually genuinely like the guy. I, I mean, he's, he's a is, – is he – and, and, again, we don't want to go on and on about this, but all the one-and-dones they've had, is he the best? I oh, mean, you can I, certainly I, yes. make the and argument. I'm not saying uh, it will I, I don't know the if NBA. It, who knows how it will translate to the NBA. I'm not an NBA <laughs> scout, but I think out of all those guys, he's the best college player Correct. that I've seen. Um, and, you know, you see these days college football players skipping bowl games. And, you know, he said it the other day. He's like, there's no way I was skipping the ACC tournament or the NCAA tournament. I yeah. mean, I'm, this, I'm on this team. Yeah. Uh, and, and good for him. Well, uh, we told Chris, because he's got a bunch of work to do. So does Will. We'd only do 45. We did 55. So thank <laughs> you did. for sparing <laughs> the extra 10 minutes. Uh, with it being a special week, uh, let's close with this. What's going on on TechSideline.com? What's different about this week? Oh, man, we're going to have – I'll get out a column about the tournament later. We'll have a preview. Um, spring practice starts tomorrow. That was an eye roll no, from Chris. I thought, I, thought, <laughs> I thought spring practice started Wednesday. It starts tomorrow. Uh, maybe Today's it's Wednesday. But there are two days this week where we can go to practice at 8 a.m. So yeah. Yay, 8 a.m. Yeah. So <laughs> translation, a lot of content on TSL this week. Yeah, the usual. Yeah. Lot. Which is why I don't think I can go to San Jose, honestly, because yeah. I'd have to get, I'd have to leave on Wednesday to get there in time, really for media sessions on Thursday, and it's hard when you're trying to cover two different sports at the same time. Yep. Well. Oh well. Great week for Tech Athletics. It is an exciting week. We hope you enjoy uh, the NCAA tournament. Of course, we'll have great updates, as we always do, on our Twitter page during the game. Be sure to follow us at Tech Sideline. Great content on our message boards. Great content online, techsideline.com. We open the podcast with the March Madness theme song. We're going to close the podcast. CBS knows their music man <laughs> that is going to do it for this special edition march madness edition of the tech sideline podcast for our founder will stewart our managing editor chris coleman i'm evan hughes enjoy the tournament we'll talk to you next week right here on the tech sideline podcast